The Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Well, big news coming out of the NFL this morning. Just announced moments ago, Tom Brady really is retiring. And so finally, other quarterbacks around the NFL will be able to achieve something maybe a little bit bigger than they because they couldn't because guess who? Tom Brady has been in the NFL, the winningest Super Bowl quarterback in history. Tom Brady, he'll always be remembered, I think, best as being the guy in New England that just set all kind of records, broke Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana. Was it Montana? Who was after Montana in San Francisco? Oh, shoot, I forget. The lefty. But anyway, Tom Brady, I don't think his record of Super Bowl wins will ever be eclipsed by anybody. And I got to be honest with you. When you get to be his age, 40, you know, I mean, 43, that's just old. Oh, my gosh. I'm 25 years older than Tom Brady. It just makes me seem older and older and older. But anyway, Brady's gone, and I just wonder, who is Tampa Bay going to reach out and get to replace Brady at the signal-calling position? It's going to be interesting to watch. Well, we still have football in the wind, remember. We've got one more big game. A week from this Sunday, Super Bowl again. Of course, it'll be the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. And speaking of Cincinnati Bengals, guess who's going to be on the show with us later this week? Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor, wide receiver, slot receiver, kick return, punt returner, Cincinnati Bengals from right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, and Louisiana Tech University, where he set a receiving record um, for a career that probably won't be eclipsed in a bit. It'll it'll take a while for that. And he's going to be on with us to talk about some of the stuff he went through to get to where he is, to the Super Bowl. He was on the San Francisco 49er team a couple of years ago when the 49ers, um, they went to the Super Bowl. But he was hurt. And he was there at the Super Bowl, part of the team, but was on uh, IR, injury list, and he could not play. But now he's going back again with a different team, and he's going to get to play this year. He'll be on with us to talk about what just happened. The Bengals surprised everybody, I think, and ended up in the Super Bowl. But there's a lot of moving parts that go along with that. I'll wait and let him tell you that story. Not sure yet, based upon his uh, schedule, as the Bengals get ready to head out to Los Angeles, which day it will be. But it will be this week, according to him anyway. What do we have going on today? Well, let me tell you, it just seems like when you think it can't get any bigger, it can't get any more egregious, we find out it's doing just that. It's doing just that. This first thing we're going to discuss this morning, I got to be honest with you, it scares me. It was announced late yesterday 
that Joe Biden's administration has in their possession nearly one billion records that detail American citizens' firearm purchases. Far more than Congress and the public has been aware of, according to new information from the BATF, ATF it's called, obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. The ATF disclosed to lawmakers it manages a database of 920,664,765 firearm purchase records, including both digital and hard copy versions of each of those transactions. Now, how does this happen? If you're not a legal gun owner, you may not know. When you go to a gun store and you want to buy a firearm, they don't just say, okay, here it is, give me your money and walk out. Before they can do that legally, they have to fill out a form. You have to fill out the form with all your personal information, and they run it upstream to guess who? The FBI. There's a division of the FBI, and before you can buy a gun, they've got to check your background out to make sure you're okay to own that gun. The Biden administration has that information. Now, that just opens Pandora's box of a whole bunch of things that might happen. Think about that for a second. And you probably, if you're a gun owner, you're going to get a little scared. Representative Michael Cloud, who's a Republican in Texas, led an investigation into this ATF database following that Free Beacon report back in November. The Biden folks have stockpiled records of more than 54 million gun transactions in just 2021 alone. He expressed shock at the number of gun records being kept by the federal government. Representative Cloud maintains the ATF's database could be exploited by the Biden administration to use to surveil American gun owners. And that's going along with this administration. They're about to ratchet down on gun ownership across the nation. A federal firearm registry is explicitly banned by law. Yet the Biden administration is again circumventing Congress enabling the notably corrupt ATF to manage a database of nearly 1 billion gun transfer records. This is Representative Cloud. Under the president's watch, the ATF has increased surveillance on American gun owners at an abhorrent level, he said it is now. The administration just continues to empower criminals and foreign nationals while they're all the time threatening your rights as a legal American to legally buy and possess a gun. Think about Big Brother. Think about George Orwell's 1984. He talked about this very thing in the book. Think about the government knowing every gun you have bought legally but they don't know about a single gun that is on the streets of, oh, let's pick a city, Chicago, New York City, Houston, Atlanta, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, and it goes on and on and on. Interesting. Criminals, they don't buy legal guns. 
They buy lots of guns, but they're illegal guns. The federal government doesn't have access with a similar database to take those guns off the street. But now they have in their hands, Joe Biden has in his hands, Merrick Garland, his attorney general, chief law enforcement officer in the land. He has your legally purchased gun information. Serial number of the gun you bought, knows what kind of gun it is, knows where you live, folks. That in itself should scare us to death. Don't think, don't think that they have no intentions of using that list to do something with, to ratchet down on legal gun ownership. Now, all that means, folks, and I think they really don't comprehend this, most of them. If you take guns out of the hands of legally owned, uh, purchased by American citizens, private citizens, you take that list and you use it to ratchet down on private gun ownership. You know who it doesn't impact? The criminals. In fact, it will empower them to get even more involved in criminality and more serious crimes against two everyday average American citizens. Now, if you back away for just a few moments and look at it from off the 10,000-foot level, look across the nation, look at the lawlessness that is permeating, it's pervasive, killing cops, killing people, shooting people with no kind of retribution. We have these district attorneys in these big cities, especially Los Angeles, and the new guy, the district attorney in Manhattan, and he says, hey, unless you murder somebody, you're not going to prison on my watch. I know that's a little bit extreme, but it's pretty much that way. Forget about the laws that the lawmakers passed in the city of New York City, in the state of New York, in Congress, forget about all of those things. I'm the guy. I'm the prosecutor. And I decide, not the courts, not the judges, not the lawmakers, I decide who's going to pay the price for any crime, and I'm going to determine what that price is going to be. Lawlessness, folks. And as this plays out, you're going to see more and more and more of lawlessness and more and more and more going light on crime and criminals while at the same time coming after average Americans that are not lawbreakers, trying to turn them into demonology, the worst kind of Americans that there are, because these people own guns. Who are these people? They're not the government. They can't use anything like a gun to protect themselves. They say that's what they're going to do, but they're getting ready to come after the government. That's not extreme, folks. That's what's happening on our watch. Why would they want to keep this database unless they were going to use it? How can they use it? There's only one purpose. Go after those guns that they know where they are and who has them. That's just 
one thing. Every day something new pops out into the public sector like this one. You remember way back in the Trump administration. You remember Trump got, he got impeached twice. You remember that? One was over a conversation that the transcript was passed around the nation and it was looked at by so-called quote-unquote experts that they know how to determine the intention not of what actually was said, but what was meant when the parties to that conversation were talking, they could tell what the intentions were just by reading a transcript, right? And of course, Trump got impeached because of what the left, Nancy Pelosi's Democrats in the House of Representatives interpreted under Adam Schiff's watch that Donald Trump meant that the governor the government of Ukraine was going to investigate Joe Biden for his alleged wrongdoing. And that was the evil president of the United States trying to use the government for personal benefit. Does that sound kind of familiar? Well, Trump didn't do it. But listen to this. Some new information has come out just months before Joe Biden forced his firing, now this was when Biden was VP under Obama, Ukraine's chief prosecutor, you remember this story? He was told by State Department officials, our State Department officials, that they were impressed with his anti-corruption plan and fully supportive of his work. Now this comes from some newly released memos that cast doubt on that key Democrat impeachment narrative they used to try to get Donald Trump. During the first Donald Trump impeachment trial, it's two years ago now, House Democrats alleged that Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin was fired in March of 2016. Why? Because our state officials were widely displeased with his anti-corruption efforts and not because Shokin's office was investigating the Ukrainian gas firm that had given then-Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, an $80,000 a month job. Sitting on a board of an energy company in Ukraine, he has no energy experience and certainly has no foreign corporate experience. But the memos attained in the Southeastern Legal Foundation under a FOIA request Those memos show senior State Department officials, including, by the way, then-Secretary of State John Kerry, were sending the opposite message to Victor Shokin the summer before he was fired. Now, remember the impeachment stuff. Oh, Shokin was corrupt, was corrupt, and Donald Trump tried to use that to get Shokin to go after Joe Biden. But those memos say something else. Quote, From the memo, one of the memos, we have been impressed with the ambitious reform and any corruption agenda of your government. That came from then Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, Victoria Newland. She personally wrote that to Shokin in an official letter dated January 9th of 2015. It was delivered to the prosecutor two days later by then U.S. Ambassador Jeffrey Pyatt. Newland, who today is President Biden's Undersecretary of State, 
She wrote then that Secretary Kerry asked me to reply on his behalf to let Shokin know that he enjoyed the full support of the United States as he set out to fight endemic corruption in the former Soviet Republic. The ongoing reform of your office, the letter said, law enforcement and the judiciary will enable you to investigate and prosecute corruption and other crimes in an effective, fair, and transparent manner. Newland added that in the letter. The U.S. fully supports your government's efforts to fight corruption and other crimes in an effective, fair, and transparent manner. The letter stands out, according to Republican congressional investigators and Trump's former impeachment defense lawyers. Why? Well, it was sent just six months before Joe Biden began his pressure campaign to get Shokin out in December of 2015 and appears to conflict with testimony that was given to Congress. Hmm. Follow the money, folks. Follow the money. They also told Just the News that they have no record the memo was produced to Trump's impeachment defense team or even to a Senate investigation that concluded the Biden's business dealings in Ukraine created a conflict of interest that undercut U.S. anti-corruption efforts. We didn't get this. We should have received it. President Trump's defense attorneys also should have received it. That's Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin who led an investigation, a very detailed investigation back in 2020 into Hunter and Joe Biden's business affairs. This just underscores how congressional oversight has really diminished over the years, mainly because we don't have the enforcement powers, Senator Johnson said. Administration officials realize this bureaucrats realize, so they just thumb their nose at congressional investigators that they run off the clock. They know investigation at, at that level take years, and so they just ran out the clock. But what it did was he ke- it kept that cloud of uncertainty over the head of Donald Trump. Folks, don't you agree there were a bunch of those were, that were put up there? Allegation after allegation after allegation after allegation. I'm not even going to list them. You know what they were. Never found to be guilty of a single one of those allegations. The facts never justified the narrative that was put out in the marketplace of ideas. And the legacy media, mainstream media, whatever you want to call them, they just kept it up in the air every day. Trump bad, orange man evil, over and over and over again. All kinds of allegations. Not a single one was ever followed up with any evidence. Newland's memo was sent about six months before the New York Times back in December of 2015 reported that Hunter Biden's role as a board member and consultant to Burisma Holdings undermined, that's the New York Times frame, undermined U.S. anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine. Why? Because Shokin's office had an ongoing corruption investigation into Burisma Holdings. The story broke just before Biden visited Ukraine as President Barack Obama's hand-picked designee to oversee U.S.-Ukrainian policy, and it caused a bunch of consternation both for the Biden family and for State Department officials. 
That's a fact, folks. That came from emails that were obtained just last year. Aides to both Hunter and the State Department each prepared talking points to counter the New York Times article. That same month, according to U.S. and Ukraine officials, Joe Biden began a pressure campaign to remove Shokin as chief prosecutor in Ukraine. The then-vice president, he eventually succeeded in getting Shokin fired in March of 2016. We've seen the video of him standing before this uh, this political action group, and he bragged about what he was able to do. Oh, I told him, I've got that billion dollars worth of loan guarantees for Ukraine. I've got it in my pocket. I'm leaving town this afternoon. And if you don't fire Victor Shokin before I leave, I'm going back to D.C. and you get no U.S. loan guarantee. That, my friends, is the definition of political corruption. And of course, we all know the rest. Democrats launched impeachment proceedings against Trump, arguing that his quote-unquote request to Zelensky was an abuse of power because it targeted Biden, a potential 2020 election opponent. Trump defended the request as being perfectly normal. It wasn't a request to go get Joe. It was a request to go make sure Joe did not break the law. Some big differences between those there. Isn't it interesting? Almost every day, bad corruption news comes out of Washington, D.C. that many expected and suspected but of course were consistently denied again and again and again and again by the left. And after all, they control the media, right? We want a little more corruption news about D.C. This one may blow your mind. News came out yesterday that reveals the details of how 23 former U.S. senators and congressmen have lobbied for the Chinese military or intelligence-linked companies of China, or both. Of course, these members of the U.S. Congress, either House and Senate, they didn't do any of it while they were in office. They waited till they left office, and then they jumped on the lobbying gravy chain. So it's true, many lawmakers... After they leave the office, they, uh, they go make the big bucks becoming lobbyists for corporations and other special interests. And most Americans think, oh, you know, they're, they're helping big companies in the United States to make sure they get on the legislative agendas when they have something to do. But folks, most of these people that become lobbyists, they have foreign countries as clients. Americans would hope that they don't become advocates for America's primary economic and political adversary like communist China by lobbying for outcomes that are counter to the U.S. long-term interest. But they have and they do. Let me give you some names. And by the way, most of them are Republicans. Remember Speaker of the House John Boehner? A Republican from Ohio. He's up to his neck lobbying for Chinese companies. 
He even did it before he left Congress when he was Speaker of the House. That's just one. Senator Tim Hutchison, Republican of Arkansas, Representative Rodney Freelingheisen from New Jersey, a Republican, and Rep- Representative Albert Wynn, Democrat of Maryland, Representative Ed Royce, Republican of California, former Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott, Republican from Mississippi, Senator John Brove, a Democrat from my state, Louisiana, Representative Jeff Denham, Republican from California, Bart Gordon, a representative, a Democrat from Tennessee, Norman Coleman, Republican from Minnesota, Joe Lieberman, one of the nicest people to ever serve in the U.S. Senate, a Democrat from Connecticut, Representative John Christensen from Nebraska, Republican, Representative Connie Mack IV from Florida, a Republican, Don Bonker, Democrat, From Washington State, Representative Click Stearns from Florida, Republican, and Representative Lee Terry from Nebraska, also Republican. Jack Kingston, Representative Republican from Georgia. David Vitter from Louisiana, ran for governor after he left the Senate. Toby Moffitt, Democrat of Connecticut. Rick Butcher, Democrat from Virginia. And capping it all off, Long-time far-left senator from California, Democrat, Barbara Boxer. Charles Bustani, Republican from Louisiana. I got a personal story with Bustani. His dad was a doctor, and back in the, I guess the early 80s, late 70s, he bought a bakery from my stepfather in Lafayette, Louisiana. Senator William Cohen, a Republican from Maine. Folks, they're in the tank. Politics brings huge money-making opportunities. Some above board and honest. Many are in the gray area where you kind of go, I don't know about that. And then a bunch of them, and some of these 23 that we just mentioned their names and where they're from, some of these 23 were just evil. I mean, hands in the cookie jar, and they don't even try to hide it. John Boehner was doing it when he was a House Speaker. And that impacted specific legislation he allowed to come to the floor for consideration, and a bunch more that he blocked. Think about that. These guys, this power that they get when they go to Washington, when they get in the House, when they get in the Senate, they amass this power and they use it for personal gain. Years ago at truthnewsnet.org and stories that I penned, I begged, I implored, I did everything but demand that Congress outlaw lobbyists. If you ever serve in Congress, you're forbidden from being a lobbyist. Barack Obama, if you remember, in his first term, in his campaign for the 08 election, he promised, I will never have anybody in my cabinet or working in the White House that either was a lobbyist, and I'm going to prevent them from becoming lobbyists after they leave my administration. He promised those. He lied when he promised it. In his first four years in office, he had a passel 
of former lobbyists in there working with him and for him. And many, many more that worked in his administration became lobbyists. Many are still lobbyists today. I mean, come on now. You work in this. If you're elected to be in the Senate, you make about $170,000 a year, plus a pretty fat expense account. You can become a lobbyist and make that in a week. Seriously. There is so much money being a lobbyist. And every day, all these other things that we see happening, much of it is being fed by these lobbyists. Now, how does that work? They come to the Capitol Hill and they go visit with their former compadres in the House and the Senate, or both, as a matter of fact, and they have money dripping out of their hands. Now, there's a process that's been created by who? People who are living in the gray area regarding right and wrong, evil and good. They know how to manipulate the system. In most cases, they don't take that money directly. But, you know, everybody in Congress, they have family members, they have relatives, they have close friends that are looking for good jobs, that need college scholarships, that are just worn out and they need a chance to go somewhere for a nice vacation. They've mastered the process of manipulating the political system to keep themselves and those they're trying to impact out of trouble with the law. Where's the Department of Justice in all this? Well, they're up to their necks in it from the top down. And they just wink at it. And of course, whenever somebody's revealed doing it, those 23, I just gave you every one of their names, nothing has happened to any one of them. And nothing probably will because by the letter of the laws that they passed, it's okay. Obviously, none of them think a thing at all about shun the very appearance of evil. You know, that Bible thing. It is a swamp. Donald Trump tabbed it just right. You know how he could do that? Because he knew it well from the inside. Guess who came to him all the time for money? When he was a private businessman for decades, scratching out at first a tough time to do it in the construction business in Manhattan, he learned all the ropes. He learned how to make things happen. And most of those ways to make things happen in Manhattan was to grease the palm of those who can give permission and take permission away. He knew it from the inside out. He wrote a lot of campaign dollar checks, I guarantee you, through the years. And he understands and understood when he was president how he worked. And guess what he did? He shut a bunch of it off. And that, in part, was why so many people on the left, so many takers and users on the left wanted him gone. And that's another reason why today they are fighting with everything within them to keep him from getting back in office. Because if he comes back to D.C., if he moves back into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, this time he's not only bringing a sword with him to the Oval Office, he's going to use it. And heads are going to get lopped off. I promise you, they're scared to death. 
And you know what? They should be. Hey, it's Gareth. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to polandspring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. So like size is only 20 up, 700 milliliter, one liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. And those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at the sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Ah, listen to just a listen. Wait a minute. Let me back that up. Listen to just a little bit. This is Basha. You remember her? I love that sound, that uh, kind of beach sound, but it's mellow, has a good ring to it. got a great story too it's titled perfect mother she's gonna be a she is. I mean, we never hear, I don't ever hear anything about Basha. She had in the early 80s, she had a bunch of big hits. Anyway, you got that for free. (laughs) For everybody listening in that know me, they know I'm a music nut and my favorite type of music is smooth jazz. Well, let's circle back. Let's do Jen Psaki's circle back and go back to some more corruption. You want to talk for a moment about the big lie? I guess you know by now, you probably knew it all along. Election fraud in the 2020 election across the nation. It really happened. (laughs) And courts in five of the battleground states have already ruled in subsequent investigations and allegations. There was voter fraud. And it continues to show up almost every week now. 
more voter fraud in that election is exposed. Last Monday, the Arizona Senate reconvened to discuss during a Senate session the UOCAVA voters. Now, who are they? Well, they're the voters that are covered under the Uniform Overseas Civilian Absentee Voting Act. In other words, Arizona passed a law, the legislature did, and a lot of people are overseas that work for the government and civilians and other people that don't work for the government but they're residents and they are citizens of Arizona. They, of course, in national elections, legally, they have the right to vote. Well, this act officially covers members of the U.S. Uniformed Services and Merchant Marines, their family members, and U.S. citizens residing outside the United States that aren't affiliated with the military. So during that hearing, one Maricopa County resident, Maricopa County is the county around Phoenix, a guy named Paul Harris, and he's a veteran in corporate executive management, spoke to the committee. He was a manager during the audit of the Maricopa County audit of the 2020 election ballots. You remember that? Very contentious. During that audit, Harris was tasked with overseeing the UOCAVA ballots that came back from overseas during the audit. He described his experience. He said this, the UOCAVA, that ballot that comes from Arizona going to these people, the men and women who work overseas and the people who work overseas to get a chance to work in this election. And he held up a white sheet of paper and he said this, this is what a ballot looks like that goes out. An 11 and a half by 19 inch ballot. When I opened up a box of these ballots, this is what a ballot looks like. That's a UOCAVA ballot. You know what that is? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. It's an eight and a half by 11 sheet of copy paper. It's not the 11 and a half by 19 ballot that was sent to these voters overseas. Did you all know that our ballots come back like this from our overseas people? Did any of you know this? It's such a sham that I had people every day at my table taking pictures of these ballots that were scanned down. It took my team three complete days to count all of these UOCAVA ballots. You know why? Because in 2016, the numbers were apparently 1,600 of these ballots that came back in the most significant election in our lifetime. Of course, that's when Donald Trump was elected. In 2020, the numbers were close to 10,000 ballots that came back. And I will tell you, as an eyewitness, 95% all went towards one candidate. And in a state where that candidate won by 10,000 votes, that is 8,000 new votes during an election where people were brought home because there was a pandemic, there was no chain of custody. There's nothing to identify where this piece of paper came from. And I won't go into the other details, but this is exactly like 
what was witnessed in Michigan, in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, the exact same things happen. These overseas ballots coming back from people that are legally registered in those states, and they were sent ballots with which to legally vote, and they all came back, not the uh, ballots that were sent to them, they all came back on eight and a half by 11 copy paper. There's no there there. None whatsoever. So it's just one more thing. Oh, and by the way, we haven't talked about or used the name Dominion Voting Systems of late. Well, there's Dominion Voting System news this morning. A federal judge is about to release a sealed report by one computer security expert who reviewed Dominion Voting Systems equipment in Georgia. The judge is doing this because Georgia's top election official and its governor, they urged for this action to occur. The report was conducted by University of Michigan computer security expert J. Alex Halderman, was filed last summer under seal in this judge's federal court case that alleges hackers had the capability and had easy access to voting machines in Georgia. Little has been released in public about the report through the Atlanta Constitution Journal has reported that it found hackers could change votes if they got into those Dominion voting machines. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a defendant in the lawsuit, announced last week he now supports the public release of the report to dispel misleading media articles about the Dominion voting equipment that was used in Georgia. Raffensperger said the public deserves to know the context of Halderman's claims and his testimony regarding the 2020 election. The secretary continues to maintain the election systems in his state remain safe and secure, but he does acknowledge there were vote counting irregularities in Fulton County and is currently investigating whether illegal ballot harvesting occurred in some parts of the state during that run-up to the 2020 election. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has urged Raffensperger to, quote, immediately gather all relevant information regarding this report, thoroughly vet its findings, and assure Georgians he's doing everything possible to ensure the system, procedures, and equipment are completely secure. U.S. District Judge Amy Tottenberg, who is presiding over the civil case in this same matter, said she's reviewing the report with redactions and will decide whether to release it. Meanwhile, Dominion CEO John Pelosi, Pelosi, not kin to House Speaker Pelosi, said the report did not consider all procedural and technical safeguards in the machines, but his firm supports any transparency that will give voters confidence in election counting. Dominion supports all efforts to bring real facts and evidence forward to defend the integrity of our machines and the credibility of Georgia's elections, he said. And he didn't go on record other than in a written statement. He didn't testify. 
So, more corruption, more election questions out there, more evidence that there has been irregularities at best, massive irregularities in voting at best, at worst, fraud and corruption. And I don't even think it lies somewhere in between those, you know, irregularities and fraud. I think it's pushing and leaning way over toward the fraud thing. Now, obviously, we can't go back and undo or redo the results that came out of the 2020 elections. Too late for that. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. But what we can do, folks, remember, we have another election ahead in just a few months. November's going to be here before you know it. And every member of the U.S. Congress, every seat in the House of Representatives is up for grabs. Every two years, members of the House of Representatives either have to run again or be replaced by someone else. This is going to be the most important election in our lifetimes. We got to get it right this time. We got to make sure that every vote that is cast is cast legally by someone who is legally registered and qualified to vote in their respective states and overseas getting all of their votes back to the United States and that they're all legitimate. And can you imagine a scenario in which Joe Biden's quote-unquote voter rights bill would be passed? Can you imagine turning all of this over to the federal government and trusting what comes out of it? We would look just like a banana republic where the government, the corruption in the government in those nations They determine the outcome of every election. Forget about what the citizens think and how the citizens vote. However, whoever's in charge government thinks the results should be, not based upon voter choice, but upon their choice. (laughs) We're headed down that road if we try to, or if we allow this to happen, if we don't stand the ground, stand our ground and demand that they're kept the way they're supposed to be constitutionally which is in each of the 50 states, run by each of the 50 states. And the only oversight there is in the case of corruption or fraud, the Department of Justice can look into it, and they always have. Power, folks. All of this is about garnering, gaining, and hanging on to power. We mentioned criminality and crimes in that opening story about the Biden administration having close to a billion records of American gun owners, which they filed and the FBI checked out before they could buy guns legally here in the U.S. Criminality is just, it's just, I I can't even say it's spreading across America. It's already there, especially in our big cities. Crime is going through the roof very, very serious crimes. Those numbers are going through the roof. And what I throw into that category, very, very serious, murder, rape, uh, sexual assaults of all kinds, the really bad stuff. It's just going through the roof. And the reason it's escalating at the pace that it is, it's kind of twofold. It's because the people in these big cities, especially district attorneys, and even mayors in some cases, 
they've gone soft on crime. And it's an outcrop of the George Floyd murder that happened in Minneapolis and the aftermath and all of that because cops are evil. That's the narrative that was perpetrated out there and it's been perpetrated for a long time. There are many Americans that just benignly sign on to that thought process and they hate cops. They hate the law enforcement criminal justice system. No doubt in my mind, there's a lot of inequity in it. And we were on a road, on a pace, to get it taken care of a little bit at a time until all this political correctness began to be foisted upon Americans across the nation where cops are evil. Especially white cops. They hate African American people. That's the narrative. It's not the facts. And so many of the big money players on that side, like George Soros and his funding of groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, where they push out there and they're just making life a living hell. Criminals are ramping up their criminality. Gun violence is escalating across the nation at unbelievable rates. And you put that in the context, we know that's happening. But getting accurate and real reflective numbers and legitimate statistics, folks, we live in a world now where if our government's providing that information, we can't believe it. Because in many cases, it's manipulated the information they get to us. And it's not just in criminal justice. It's in everything. It's in our healthcare statistics. When we get all these numbers from the Centers for Disease Control and the National Institutes of Health regarding cases of COVID-19 and deaths from COVID-19, people actually dying from the virus, we find out none of those facts that we've been spoon-fed for two years are truthful. So what are the real numbers? We don't know. And they want it to be that way. They want to perpetuate it. They don't want us to have the facts. They want us to be required to swallow the numbers and information they give to us to keep us wondering and questioning while they continue to push forward with their narratives and keep the facts out of it. Look at what Google's done with YouTube. I mean, you can't even question the political narrative of the day of the far left. If it's out there in the marketplace, they're going to cancel you. They're going to control what can be said, who can say it, what can't be said, and make sure that anybody that they disagree with, they don't have a voice. They take it away from them. Why do they do that? Go all the way back to the Bible. Go all the way back to the Word of God. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I wonder why that was written and put in the Bible. You think it had anything to do with people back then? People out there that were using information for selfish, probably unethical, and maybe even criminal reasons? And the Word of God, that's the counter for that type of leftist narrative, which is you will know the truth And the truth will set you free. So in the talk about um, criminality and rampant criminality in the nation, Jen Psaki 
She was not in the White House. She was on a, um, I think it was a Skype call with one of the other networks. And she got caught laughing about the American people talking about this administration being quote-unquote soft on crime. I thought you would like to hear Jen Psaki. This is how she sounds when she's not at the White House press room podium when she starts talking about Biden administration politics. If you look at Fox on a daily basis, I mean, do you remember the four boxes that you had that we had on all the TVs, right? Which Mm -hmm. is on my TV right now. So right now, just to give you a sense, so CNN, Pentagon, as many as 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert. Okay, true. Same on MSNBC. CNBC is doing their own thing about the market. And then on Fox is Janine Pirro talking about soft on crime consequences. I mean, what what does that even mean? Right. Um, so there's an alternate universe on some uh, coverage. What's scary about it is a lot of people watch that. She snickered. You know, that, that evil, that stupid Fox News. When CNN and MSNBC have a graphic up that says, hey, Biden's put 8,500 military members on notice. You may have to be sent over to Ukraine to fight those Russians. That's a real big story. 8,500, yeah, you put those 8,500 against the 120-plus thousand Russians that are right there ready to invade Ukraine. Can you imagine what would happen to those 8,500 American military members if a war did break out? They'd be obliterated very, very quickly. But that's a good thing. This president, our administration, who... 8,500, my goodness, what a big commitment. And then she said it, Janine Pirro, judge, is on Fox News talking about this administration being soft on crime, and she snickered and said, what is that all about? I mean, folks, what world does she live in? She lives in Washington, D.C. The crime crime statistics of the serious crimes has gone through the roof the last two years in Washington, D.C. It's become, per capita, the murder capital of the United States. And they think they're doing good in criminal justice? They think Attorney General Merrick Garland is on top of taking care of all the law enforcement problems that we have across the nation, he hadn't done a thing. Folks, no actions taken by this president, not a single one, even points to having one shred of integrity and credibility about the rule of law and criminality. You back up and pull out for just a second, get a little away from the ground level, And look at what this administration, not what they've done regarding criminality, they haven't done anything. Oh, they talk about, you know, Jen Psaki did. I think we played the soundbite from a press briefing from day before. Maybe it was Friday, but we played it on Monday. Our press briefing, and she made it very clear. Joe Biden really has done a lot or tried to do a lot about criminality and supporting the police. There was included in one bill that he put out there, one of those trillion-dollar bonanza bills. She didn't say that, but it was part of it. 
giving a lot more money to these police departments so they can hire more cops. Folks, cops are leaving their jobs in the hundreds of thousands across the nation just simply because they don't have leadership coming from Washington that filters down to the state, to the local community level that shows support for the enforcement at every level of government, enforcement of the rule of law. They don't want to be a part of it when they, just because they're police, for no other reason, they become the epicenters, the targets for criminals on the left to go after because if they go after these cops, nothing's going to happen to them. Why? Jen Psaki, listen to this. Because you and Joe and your administration are soft on crime. Now you can laugh when you are on a Skype call with some of your sycophant far leftists But don't laugh at the American people because criminality is, if not number one, it's number two most important things going on in our nation to the American people. You know who they are, Jen Psaki. Those people that your boss swore an oath to, to protect and defend. And he's not doing it. In fact, he's gone 180 degrees the other way. I'm waiting for Congressman Mike Johnson's assistant to reach out back to come to me, talk to Mike Johnson. He's coming on the show later this week, maybe even during this show today, to discuss the implications of this president or any president that continually thumbs their noses at the rule of law and what the ramifications could possibly be. And I think the I word is going to play into that You know, when you're an elected official, there's no other option to remove you between elections other than for you to be impeached and then tried and removed from office. Impeachment at the federal level always starts in the House of Representatives. Then it goes across to the Senate. If the articles come out of the House that end up over at the Senate are sufficient for the Senate to have a trial, and then during the trial, everybody defends their positions, and if that person is ruled to be guilty of the charges against them that are brought forth by the House of Representatives, they're removed from office. I have recommended, if you were here last Friday, I recommended that President Biden be impeached, also Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, and Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas all be impeached and removed from their jobs. We're going to talk to Congressman Mike Johnson, who is, by the way, a constitutional attorney. And he's a good friend of ours. In fact, we live in his district, 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. Uh, He's become pretty powerful in the House to see what, if anything, is being anticipated to hold President Biden accountable for his unwillingness to support the rule of law. Well, you can't do that. Look, where's that happening? He's not doing... No, folks, the southern border is wide open today because of the instructions from this president to everybody that works in his administration from the top all the way down to the Border Patrol agents that are all federal employees to let it happen. 
In other words, let the criminality happen and to not hold the criminals liable, accountable for their breaking the law. What he's doing is unlawful. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Ready, set. ABC Tonight. It's all about big cash. Here we go. And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. To win it all. A big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Suite. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a clean-up on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC, and stream on Hulu. In a world of sizzle over substance, in a world where the evidence doesn't stand taller than the agenda, in a world where the facts are not compelling enough to convince, you're enrolled in a university of reality. TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Professor Dan Newman. Applicable sentence in what Pete Moss just said. When the evidence is not significant enough to convict. I can't believe what I'm about to tell you, but the district attorney's office up in Oswego, New York, announced they are dropping the final criminal probe of the sexual misconduct against Governor, former Governor Andrew Cuomo. This move marks the end of the five criminal cases. Five of them, folks. Not one of them is being prosecuted. And Cuomo's going to go scot-free. The district attorney up there, Greg Oaks, here's what he said yesterday. While there's not sufficient legal basis to bring charges based on the allegations of unwanted physical contact by his accuser, Virginia Lemmyitis, this decision is not an exoneration. That's from the DA. And then he said this, after a thorough review of the available evidence and applicable law, the Oswego County District Attorney's Office concluded there is not a sufficient legal basis to bring criminal charges against Andrew Cuomo based upon the allegations of unwanted physical contact. To be clear, this decision is based solely upon an assessment of the law and whether the people can establish a legally sufficient case under controlling precedent. 
In no way should this decision be interpreted as casting doubt upon the character or the credibility of Mrs. Limiatis or how harmful the acts she experienced were. Now, five cases were brought. Allegations were made. Five of them. This is the last one of those five to be dismissed. Last month, DAs in Nassau and Westchester counties, they also opted against prosecuting Cuomo in relation to accusations of other women. He's bulletproof, folks. No enforcement. Now, where did all, where's all the feminist in this thing? Remember, we should automatically consider the allegations of sexual impropriety made by any woman, by every woman, especially against politicians. We should just automatically assume they're truthful. And I got to be honest with you, I heard the details of several of these allegations that were made against Cuomo. And they were pretty bad. I mean, pretty bad. And yet there's no evidence? Or there's not sufficient evidence? I find that hard to believe. But what is a whole lot easier to believe is that Andrew Cuomo's last name in New York, Cuomo, it carries a lot of weight. It carries a lot of New York political weight. And I think probably in these five cases, that has a lot to do with what happened there. Corruption. Political corruption. There's a lot of it out there, folks. There's plenty of it going around. Plenty of it going around. We were just talking about what's happening at our southern border. Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, DHS secretary, they're just going crazy with their benign acceptance and allowance of any kind of criminality at the southern border. It's okay. It's okay. When Americans, legal Americans, citizens that live in that part of the country, if they would do any of these same things that these illegals coming across the border are doing, we'd be under the jail. But yet they just let it happen day after day after day. And now we are founding out, we're told as of yesterday, border chaos at our southern border may be the greatest threat to this nation that's going on now with all of the other stuff going on. Listen to this report. Your reaction to the 40 House Republicans letter warning that DHS Secretary Mayorkas is botching it again? He's got a new focus on recruiting climate change workers at Homeland Security, as even Mayorkas admits the border is in its worst collapse ever, possibly ever. So what's your take on the story? Yeah, so this is, um, this is personal for me. Uh, I was, you know, I was there when we created the department. We wrote the first report on the department and uh, worked with the secretary and reorganizing. Which department? Had, uh, Homeland Security. I had two, two different uh, stints on the Homeland Security Advisory Council. So, and and I was originally hired at the Heritage Foundation as the Homeland Security analyst. So I've been with this department every step of the way. I've been in the border numerous times. Met with Border Patrol, uh, Tom Homan, Mark Morgan. These are all my good friends. And this is Carafano. He's now with the Heritage Foundation, but he was the first guy that developed Homeland Securities and all of their policies and how they would operate. 
He knows what he's talking about. This is this is the most grievous malfeasance of government I have ever seen. This is this is literally like asking John Dillinger to guard the bank. I mean, Mayorkas has committed almost nothing short of a crime. He has taken the Department of Homeland Security and under the direction of the president has turned to the Department of Homeland Insecurity, where they're rather than stopping crime and and preventing terrorists, they're actually order to facilitate to do activities to not enforce the law, incentivize crime, and make us more vulnerable to terrorism. Yeah, Colonel, according to the letter, the two, by the way, it looks like we're heading toward three million people crossing illegally when you count the gotaways. That's the size of Kansas. Uh, in their letter, they say in 2018, half, almost half of all criminals prosecuted in federal court were criminal illegal aliens, drug trafficking, kidnapping, murder. Uh, 200,000 illegal aliens over the last 10 years charged with 400,000 criminal offenses, including murder, sexual assault, and more. So, you know, we have 14 terrorists on the FBI watch list, according to the former border chief, Rodney Scott, uh, caught at the border last year, 50 from the government's lists of nations of special interest like Syria and Iran. And we've got 150 nations, we're seeing illegal immigrants coming from there, to the border, including China and Russia. Literally, as we speak, the department's policy is we have to find every reason not to deport somebody. So they have to look every possible way they can look to find a reason not to deport somebody. So, look, we've and we've talked about this on your show a million times. The, you know, opioid people dying at record levels. So the drugs, um, all the criminal activity that goes to illegal immigration, all the environmental damage, um, the health, the public health issues, the, the potential for terrorists. What we've talked about all that. So now what we're facing is another issue that people aren't talking about. And it may be the greatest threat yet, which is weaponizing migrants and borders is totally a 21st century thing. We, ha we have leftist government after okay. leftist government with connections to China and Russia falling in. What's to keep them from just giving these guys yeah. money and just saying, send people north and giving them migrant flow here? Yeah, that's right. Let's see, you know what? Border agents are really frustrated. Let's watch this. They were talking to Mayorkas and the border chief. Uh, he is Raul Ortiz. Watch this. I get it. You come to work, you're frustrated, you're upset because you didn't get the desired outcome that you want. Doesn't mean you give up, right? I know you're not. Right? We all signed up for it. We all raised our hand. It's kind of hard to say that. To defend the Constitution, not the end. But then you keep releasing criminals in the country for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly what's happening here. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing the legal aliens to be dropped off communities. Wow, they really let him have it. Your word on that. No, look, I mean, this is this is like defund the police. The only difference is, is they, they can't actually defund these guys because they're federally funded, but they literally don't want them to do their jobs. So we've seen defund the, the, the cops collapse at the local level because, one, local administrations, they, they, they just can't deal with this and they have to let the cops do their job and, and give them money back. But at the federal level, there's nobody to force the federal government to allow people to do their job. Two million. Two million illegals apprehended coming across our southern border in one year. Two million, folks. Two million people. How many of those two million people were criminals in the countries they came from? Hundreds, if not thousands. How many terrorists? 
How many pounds of illegal drugs were caught coming across our border? You know the drug fentanyl, you're hearing a lot about it. Do you know that what was caught, that those coming across the border had in their possession, bringing it into the United States to sell? By the way, it didn't come from Mexico. It didn't come from Central America. It came from China, who sent it over to the drug cartels in Mexico to bring across the United States to put in the mouths and the arms of Americans. There was enough fentanyl that we caught, enough of it in one year, in fact, in one two-month stretch, enough to kill every American in the United States. And our government's allowing that to happen. Joe Biden, his Secretary of Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, they're not only allowing it, folks, they are encouraging it to continue. Child sex trafficking, regular human sex trafficking, all kinds of illegal terrorists are coming in. Not from Mexico, they're coming through Mexico. But folks, we have captured people from more than a hundred different countries coming here illegally. And we have no idea who they are or where they came from or what their intentions are when they get here. And the saddest thing of all, this president and his people in immigration, ICE, Border Patrol, Homeland Security, they don't even care. And just like always, when our government makes horrible choices and decisions, We, the people, are the ones that pay the prices. And I bring this statistic up often because it was one that it just blew me away, and it was in great detail. It came not from a political arm anywhere, nobody that had a dog in the hunt, other than to give us facts about criminality being committed by these illegals. It came from the Department of Security, and I forget what they call it, but it's from Texas. And in one two-year period, 600,000 felony acts were committed by illegals to Texans. And those acts of criminality were everything from murder, rape, aggravated rape, assault, all the way down, you can imagine. But they were felony criminal acts committed by these illegals. 600,000. And that's okay with Joe Biden. And if Jen Psaki was listening and she took me on to refute what I just said, that that's okay with Joe Biden, I would simply ask her this. Well, if it's not okay with him, why hasn't he done anything to stop it? And folks, this president has done nothing to stop this criminality, and he's done nothing to stop the criminality that is racing across our nation. He says he's from Delaware, little small state, but it's not far from Pennsylvania that has Philadelphia and Pittsburgh riddled with crime. It's not far from Baltimore riddled with crime. And of course, he's a frequent flyer to New York City. It's certainly criminality and rising at the rapid rates we see happening in Manhattan. He's doing nothing about any of that. 
And so I always go back. When I look at something, I'm seeing the effects of something. You know, when you see somebody getting shot on the street for no reason whatsoever. Most of us, we just stop right there. Oh, this is horrible. It's a tragedy. I can't believe this happened. We leave it right there. I go back. I start asking questions. Why was this allowed? And who is it that allowed it? On whose orders was this allowed? And you try to go back to the sources where it all began. And I don't want to, I'm not going to make something and pull it out of the air. I'm going to tell you the love of money is the root of all evil. Find the money in everything like this that happens. Go back to the source of where it happened. Somebody had to put a gun in that guy's hand. In most of these cases, they're illegal guns. Who would do that? It would be another criminal. Why would a criminal give or sell an illegal gun to another criminal? For money. Why would the criminal that had this illegal gun, where did they get it, how did they get it, and why did they get it? For money. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's not a Danism. That's a Bibleism, And it's a fact, folks. It's a fact. We're just getting cranked up. Whoopi Goldberg of The View. Boy, she's on a hot sheet. And she put herself, she dug a big hole on The View a couple of days ago. And she can't get out of it. We, we've, got, we've got evidence of what's really going on there. And you're going to hear CBS News, a panel of those sycophants from one of the biggies. The far leftists that now they like to not be called mainstream media. They want to be called legacy media. You're going to hear from that panel. And they're coming to the defense of Whoopi Goldberg over her statement on The View that Jews, you know, six million Jews that were slaughtered by Adolf Hitler during World War II, Jews were killed and slaughtered, but it wasn't an act of racism. And of course, Whoopi Goldberg can say that. Why? Because she's African-American. And only African-Americans can ever be the victims of racism. <laughs> and we even have some more stuff, really good stuff. Back after this. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And My Computer Career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, 
Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. There's so much stuff in the news, it's hard to keep up with it, and we want to get the worst stuff. And even though we don't report some things, folks, in two hours, it's just impossible to cover everything and give it sufficient information for you. So once again, I encourage you, go to the source. Go to our homepage story. There's at least one story that's published there at least every 24 hours, sometimes two or three. Sometimes we have some guest contributors that uh, come in and give us a different perspective. It's not just my perspective. We bring in a lot of other people, so you can get a, a different, what I call a potpourri of concepts. You deserve that. And opinion's not everything. And we want to make that very clear. We've always done that. We trust you to digest facts that you hear from us in other places but not just to accept them because they're coming from us, but to go check for yourself and make sure they are truthful. In many cases, folks, that's a life and death decision for us all, isn't it? We need to make sure we make our choices, all of our choices, based upon the truth. Based upon the truth. Going into the break, we talked about Whoopi Goldberg, and you probably have seen or heard what she said on The View. I think it may have been on Friday, and she just got pilloried for doing it by the Jewish people. And she talked about the latest spate of horrible things that have happened, attacks on the Jewish community and people from the Jewish community. And she labeled it, even going back so far as... What happened, six million Jews were killed in various ways by the Nazis at the order of Adolf Hitler during World War II, that it wasn't racism, which I find hard to believe that anybody would say that. So, this weekend, CBS News, a panel, they decided to straighten all of us out on exactly what Whoopi was talking about. So I want you to listen very closely to their explanations, and please understand, it's a panel of four, three of them are African American. Here's the explaining, making sure we all understand what the facts are, and that Whoopi, she may have been uh, not explaining herself good enough, but she has a point when she says attacks on Jews is not attacks on from racist people. Whoopi Goldberg on The View. She's under fire for something she said after a Tennessee school board removed a graphic novel about the Holocaust from its curriculum. Listen to this. The Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, ideal and race. It's it's but these are two Romans. white groups of people. 
All right, so others at the table, along with critics, pointed out that the Nazis, in fact, did see Jewish people as an inferior race. On The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, she appeared to stand by what she said. Listen to this. I was saying, you can't call this racism. This was evil. Mm-hmm. This, wasn't, this wasn't based on the skin. Have you come to understand that the Nazis saw it as race? Well, because they might, like, well, asking the Nazis, they would say, yes, it's a racial issue. Well, see, this is what's interesting to me, because the Nazis lied. It wasn't. They, they had issues with ethnicity, not with race, because most of the Nazis were white people, and most of the people they were attacking were white people. So to me... All right, so Goldberg issued an apology on Twitter last night saying, quote, I stand corrected. I'm sorry for the hurt that I have caused. Um, During her Colbert appearance also last night, Goldberg also indicated that as a black woman, her experience as a black woman um, has led her to think of race as something that she can see. It's skin. About skin. But but here's the point that needs to be made. Um, The Holocaust, the Shoah, was not about race. It wasn't about skin color. Um, Race was irrelevant. Hitler, if you read his odious diatribe, Mein Kampf, or if you even read the Nuremberg Laws of Nazi Germany, saw Jews as an inferior race, and they set about to systematically mm-hmm. wipe them out off the face of the earth, six million souls. Um, and he so, called it an inferior race repeatedly. He called it it's an clearly inferior about race for him. Repeatedly. Right. Yes. And you diminish the uniquely Jewish horror and tragedy of which they've endured for millennia by trying to say that it's an all lives matter kind of a situation. Right. But so so the, the millennia is the key point here, right? So race is a social construct. It's an idea. We lump people together. We say that's one race. It's not a biological fact. Right. So, But the fact of prejudice against Jews for millennia has lumped them together, regardless of whether or not they're living in Venezuela or Iran or, or Germany, for that matter. They're, they're made into a people by the rest of us. And so that reality exists, and Whoopi seemed to want to forget about it. Well, she seems... Now she's making the point that she should have made both points. Should have made both points. Yeah, that she should have made both points, that it's about race, that it's also about the inhumanity. It's also about evil. evil. She had a conversation with Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL, who also informed her of what we just spoke about, that this was a uniquely Jewish tragedy. Um, And as you pointed out, as I pointed out, that's something that they've endured for a millennia. This is something that Jews have had to deal with. And it wasn't like you could renounce Judaism and then be saved by the Nazis, right? Right. They they saw it as a permanent factor. That's exactly right. right. An immutable characteristic. She did issue an apology on Twitter last night. Oh my goodness, poor Whoopi. She was grossly misrepresented and misunderstood. She told the truth. She basically said the extermination of 6 million Jews had nothing to do with race. It was, and this is a quote from Whoopi Goldberg, evil men doing evil things to other people. That's what this was about. And she didn't go on and say it, but what she was inferring is only people of color, skin color, only African-Americans can experience racism. Do you understand the differences there? This is where the left is going now. And you know why? Because all of a sudden across America and other countries around the globe, people are seeing White people can experience racism, and they don't want that to be accepted as even a remote reality, they being people of color, the purveyors of racism, the people that own the unilateral right to determine who can be impacted by racism. You know, that evil that only comes from white people. 
This is how political culture, acceptable elitism, this is how class warfare is constructed and operated. To be able to do that and to work it anywhere in the world in any society on planet Earth, it requires there to be somebody that's good and somebody that's evil. And being good and or being evil is determined not by the facts of the matter, but by the labels that are put on the people that are part of that process. And who has the unilateral right to make the labels and assign them appropriately? Only the elites in whatever culture and whatever society, those people who have been recognized and endowed with that unalienable right to be able to denigrate whoever they wish and whoever they choose to put these labels on. So what's happening now, folks? There's a class of political elitists, and i got to be honest with you, Whoopi Goldberg is one of those now. They have the unfettered right, or at least they tell us they do, and they're trying to perpetuate that lie that nobody but people of color, the specific colors that they say, can be a target of racism. Now, let me just give you an example how that's not true. For 28 years, I was in the healthcare industry, owned a company, and we were a reimbursement, and still is the company, still is a reimbursement management company where we would go to war for healthcare professionals around the nation. That was every everybody from a, a major hospital down to a, a country doctor that was treating patients, insured patients, and then those healthcare professionals in their offices were billing on behalf of the patients they served, billing their insurance claims, and then getting paid for the services they rendered. What we did was there's very little that happens in the healthcare reimbursement industry where insurance companies pay healthcare providers the legitimate legal dollars and cents they are supposed to regarding the treatments that these professionals are giving to the insured patients. So we simply go to war and make sure they get what they're supposed to. Within that context, folks, what we are seeing is it very seldom is what it is portrayed to be, that people are disregarding facts, disregarding laws, and just doing what they think and what their perception is that it's okay for them to do. And that's permeating the world left and right. It's it's creating and maintaining a false narrative that is being propped up day after day after day, confirmed, co-confirmed, confirmed again, confirmed again, to divide people based upon ideology rather than being based upon facts. Somebody's got to be able to, you know, they want to get away from equality, that from the Declaration of Independence, that everybody here is endowed with inalienable rights. One of those is all men are created equal, and we're created equal by, not the government, by our creator, God. And nobody has an unfettered right to touch that. Well, they want to be able to touch that, And the way to touch that and manipulate that is to not talk about equality. 
because they can't manipulate that. You can't manipulate equality, folks. It, just like the truth, lives in a vacuum. But where you can go to put your finger on the scales is equity. In other words, equity is determined by somebody to either be what it really is or what they want it to be. That's the world where the Whoopi Goldbergs want us to go live in, where we just sit down and shut up and let those in power, you know, those great people, those educated, intellectual elitists that are on these talk shows, they're the ones that have the unfettered responsibility and the okay from whoever to determine the equity that belongs to this person but doesn't belong to this person. And because they say it is what it is, it in no way can ever be considered to be evil because they're in charge. So about this mess, do you know what the ADL is, the Anti-Defamation League? It's an organization they claim to have a nonpartisan agenda and they're against hatred and discrimination. But as usual, folks, the Anti-Defamation League is actually a partisan far-left outfit that smears conservatives in every way they possibly can. Listen to what they've done. In 2020, they very quietly changed its definition of racism. So what did they change it to be, and what did they change it from? Well, now, according to their definition, white people can't be the subjects or the targets of racism. This ADL update borrows the language of critical race theory. Go figure, it all fits in the same bucket, folks. Suggests that only people of color can be victims of racism. In Whoopi Goldberg's context, Jews, well, they're mostly white. So they can't be victims of racism because they're not peoples of colors. According to online archives that you can dig up yourself, the change by the ADL occurred sometimes between June and September of 2020, and it went relatively unnoticed at the time, but recently it drew some attention on social media. On June 1st of 2020, the ADL's definition of racism was one that most Americans would agree with, and I'm going to give it to you. Quote, racism is the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another race, that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics. Racial separatism is the belief, most of the time based on racism, that different races should remain segregated and apart from one another. That's a direct quote from the ADL's definition of racism, June 1st, 2020. But three months later, September of 2020, after, you remember that summer of violence and looting brought by Black Lives Matter and Antifa, the quote-unquote old definition of racism, it was removed. In its place, very quietly, nobody made a big announcement giving this to us, very quietly we got a much shorter definition of racism by the ADL, more in line with the dictates of the far-left critical race theory folks. 
And it defines racism as the impression of people of color by white people. The marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privilege privileges white people. That's the new definition. I'll give it to you again. Quote, the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. That's what racism is now. The ADL's previous definition would have correctly, in the view of many Americans, defined far-left critical race theory as racist. Why? Because it suggests that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined, and therefore that white people are, due to their inborn characteristics, privileged and naturally oppressive. And in that world where you think everybody has to either be oppressive or oppressed, everybody's got to fit into one category or another. Their new definition, it adopts the very same argument, making the Anti-Defamation League racist by its own previous definition of the word. The ADL's new definition also appears to endorse, or if not endorse, just at least not oppose, racial hierarchies in general, just racial hierarchies that benefit white people. It implies that a racial hierarchy that left white people at a disadvantage, that's no longer racism. That's just something you got to deal with. Now, let me give you a real-world example of what they are talking about here and the truth about racism and who is and who ain't. I told you, 28 years in this reimbursement management process, our clients were people that wanted to get treated fairly by insurance companies. When I say insurance companies, I'm talking about from the top down. Um, Medicare, insurance companies that contract with the government to process Medicare claims, Medicaid claims, and of course, all the commercial insurance providers. A lot of these people, a lot of these medical entities are owned by municipalities. What that means is government entities, federal and state and local entities. So what does that mean? Well, if a company like my company, they want to contract with this municipality to make sure under this contract, we're going to bill all the claims and we're going to make sure that every insurance company that gets these bills, they pay it appropriately according to the law and according to the contracts that they have with their people. They're insured. That seems simple enough, doesn't it? And what we found out from the very beginning when the word got out from different medical provider, healthcare provider here, emergency ambulance, emergency helicopter, mom and pop doctors, hospitals, when they found out there's a company out there that really will go toe to toe with the insurance companies and make sure we get paid properly, we began to get a bunch of clients, and we still maintain a bunch of clients 28 years later. It's actually 29 years now, 29 years later. Well, when you contract with a government entity, if you're a service provider, they have all these laws and regulations now that 
race, ethnicity has to be brought into the context of who's going to get these contracts. More than once, when we who had an impeccable and still do history of getting good results in that area of business, of service, we have to go up against in a bid process against somebody that is comprised in ownership and management by a group of politically correct individuals. What does that mean, Dan? Well, most of you know I'm a white guy, and I owned a company. I didn't have any minority members that owned the company. I had, and we still have, a slew of minority people in management, senior management, junior management, and in the supervisory capacity in our company. If you know anything about us and how we operate, we created a long time ago an environment that was really conducive for um, workers, I'm talking about everyday workers. I'm not talking about people that had college degrees necessarily, but people of minority in large part that couldn't find a job that was really good enough for them. We had positions in our company that didn't require a lot of education, just required a willingness to work and work hard and learn and fit into a process. We always paid more than the prevailing wage. We've always given far more benefits than most other companies the size of ours, and people really enjoyed that. We have a lot of people that have stayed with us, some, many of more than 20 years, and they've worked their way up through the company and in senior management. So we, in, in that particular operation and the way we're constituted, we go up against people that, are in there and they get a leg up in the bidding process, not because of the results that they've given, their past and how good a job they've done or poor job they've done with other clients that are similar to the ones that are we're trying to get this contract with. And we lose that contract because of race. Because of race and gender. Not black in ownership or management necessarily, and not black female. In those cases, more than a dozen different times through the years, the people that got those contracts to provide the same services that we do did horrible jobs. In many cases, they were rife with fraud. But that's not what matters. What matters is the bottom line. Taxpayers... Taxpayers in these cities, in these states around the nation, they're the ones that paid the price because these contracts were doled out based on race and not on abilities and not on performance and not on historical historical information, simply because it was politically correct. Now, you tell me, Can a white person experience racism? Whoopi Goldberg's definition, it can't. ADL's definition, it can't. But in reality, folks, not only can it, it's been happening for decades and generations, but it's no longer politically correct to even talk about it. Doesn't matter that it's factual. Anybody, 
I don't care who it is. Anybody can be a subject of racism and is every day, not just here in the United States, but around the world. It's sad, but it's happening. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes reality sucks. (laughs) We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, I want you to listen to a guy that I have great respect for, Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds is a young African-American man. He's serving in Congress. He's from Florida. He represents a district in Florida. And he is a rising star of conservatism. He was in a committee hearing. The hearing was with several of United States energy company executives. You know, those evil people that are being demonized by everybody on the left, just simply because they're not representing clean energy. It's that evil fossil fuel industry. After this final break, you're going to give your ear to listening to Representative Donald scorch the leftists of the Democrat Party that were in this committee hearing. You don't want to miss this. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Cheap and affordable. I know, right? HM offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at HM today. Hashtag hot and modern. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. You know, I finally found out who Bolshevik Barbie is. Barbara Streisand who hates conservatism, Bolshevik Barbie. (laughs) Um, Just throw this little tidbit of information out that came out late last night. Dr. Fauci absolutely knew about the virus, the COVID-19 virus, originated in a laboratory. He was told that specifically in a secret teleconference. He didn't know. Oh, it was a conspiracy theory. He didn't know. Redacted emails made public tell us that Fauci 
initiated efforts to cover that information up, that he knew about it from the very beginning. Do you think anybody's ever going to hold this guy accountable for what he's done? Can you imagine, just look back at the people that have died through the last two years, died when healthcare professionals in hospitals and clinics, emergency rooms, they were following the protocol that was put out by the National Institutes of Health and the Centers for Disease Control under the orders of Dr. Anthony Fauci of what to do and what not to do in the treatment of those that are found positive with COVID-19. You remember the ventilator stuff, the insanity that happened in the first 90 days? It started in New York City. They were putting every COVID patient on a ventilator before they were actually struggling to breathe. And what was happening is these people began to die in mass numbers, percentages. Pretty much it boiled down to this. In New York City, Manhattan, other parts of the state, if you want a ventilator, you weren't coming off that ventilator alive. And then one pulmonologist came up with this concept and began to test it. The number one symptom of COVID-19 is massive swelling in a patient's lungs. So what did that do? How did that cause these deaths? Well, you go on a ventilator, what does a ventilator do? It acts as your lungs to force your lungs to inhale air and oxygen and exhale what comes out of your lungs. But these ventilators, because of the inflammation in people's hearts, were pushing blood too fast through the patient's lungs so fast that the blood wasn't getting oxygenated. That's what comes from the lungs because the lungs were filled with massive swelling and their capacity to put that oxygen in the blood was decreased in large volume. How many of those people died because of that policy, that protocol that was put in place by guess who? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Just thought I'd bring that up. Going to the break, we talked about Representative Byron Donalds in a committee hearing with these executives from these carbon energy companies. Listen to the congressman blast far-left Democrats and elitists on that very committee that he serves on. First of all, to, to the witnesses, the the leaders of, of Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell. I know that the, the climate activists in Twitter world, which Dave Chappelle says doesn't exist, and he's right because it's just people who have nothing better to do but type on their keyboards, and we do it too here in Congress. But let's be very clear. I, you need an apology because what I witnessed today um, was just rank intimidation by the chair of this committee. Trying to get you to pledge on what you're going to spend your money on is a gross violation of the First Amendment. And just because we're members of Congress and we got microphones and we pass laws does not mean that we also have the ability to infringe on your ability to what to organize, whether it's API or anybody else, or what you choose to spend your money on. It is disgusting. 
It is absolutely disgusting. Somebody needs to go call Merrick Garland, tell him to get in here and watch the intimidation that came from this very panel today. Because this is not about defending big oil or defending big anything. It's about defending the ability of people in our country to be free, say what they want, think what they want, spend their money how they choose. And if we're not going to be any better than the Chinese, how do we ever expect to beat them on the world stage when we're cutting our neck when it comes to energy production, while they are burning more coal, they are burning more oil, they're increasing their emissions, and they're not showing up in Scotland. You know why they're not showing up in Scotland? Because they're interested in building an economy. They're interested in becoming the dominant economic player across the globe. They're interested in becoming the dominant military player across the globe. And while we joke around and mess around intimidating you guys who frankly heat our homes, you cool our fridges, you keep our cars going, this is insane. So I'm sorry for you. And I'm sorry for the people in our country who have to witness shenanigans like this and witness circuses like this. That's why they call that one show on HBO, whatever it is, The Circus. Because that's exactly what this is. Yeah, I agree, Congressman. Congress is a circus and very little more, sadly. I'm going to drop a little bomb on you on the way out of here. Did you know that ivermectin has proven to be antiviral effective against Omicron? Guess who found and confirmed that? Of course, it was one of our great healthcare companies that are American companies. They're in the midst of this. They've been working on this for decades. No, it was a Japanese conglomerate has been studying ivermectin, and they found out ivermectin has an antiviral effect on Omicron. COA, K-O-W-A Company Limited, which is a conglomerate with interest in trading, hospitality, and electronics, along with health and medical applications. They put out a press release two days ago on Sunday stating that ivermectin has been found to be effective against Omicron in in vitro studies. The firm is also in process of carrying out a phase three clinical trial on the use of ivermectin to treat COVID-19 patients. Though the company's remarks on effectiveness pertain to the findings of lab-based research. The company's working with a university based in Tokyo said that ivermectin has this exact same antiviral effect on all mutant strains including Alpha, Delta, and Omicron. The company added, ivermectin suppresses invasion of the virus and inhibits its replication. Ivermectin is expected to be applied as a therapeutic drug in tablet form for all new COVID infectious diseases in Japan. Why are we hearing all of these great COVID-19 laboratory, and other kinds of testing details that prove these drugs, therapeutic drugs, not the pharmacal drugs, you know, Moderna and Pfizer and yada, 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 J&J and all of those. The therapeutic stuff works as good, if not better, than do the prescription drugs. Why are we hearing about that from these foreign countries? Ivermectin, if you remember, I told you this from the very beginning, Indonesian government, at the very beginning, they made ivermectin available to every citizen. In fact, they sent it out, the government did, and kept 
their COVID cases to a drip. People weren't dying from COVID-19. Here we are in the United States, the most advanced country on the globe, and we're not following the science, as Dr. Fauci told us all from the very beginning, putting us down. That's a wrap on the show today. Thanks for being here again. Coming up this week, later in the week, Congressman Mike Johnson, wide receiver kick and punt returner for the Cincinnati Bengals headed to the Super Bowl. Trent Taylor, good friend of mine, kind of like my nephew. Have a great day, folks. And as usual, thank you for being a part of the Truth News Network family. Three in the morning, I can't be dreaming. I'm wide awake, watching you sleeping. And I realize there's no place that I'd rather be. I reach out to touch you My heart starts to race And at the touch of your skin There ain't no mistaking I'm lost in your eyes I see all that I need to see I'm feeling new things Every time that I hold you I'm telling you things I would never told you I'm feeling my feet coming off of the ground I wasn't looking but look what I found I wasn't so sure at the start now I want to be there wherever you are and I can't deny how you got me feeling You think this is as good as it gets I swear you haven't seen nothing yet I promise you I'm gonna love you the rest of my life My life You turned to kiss me can't fight it, the taste of your lips I get so excited, I'm losing my mind The way that it's supposed to be mm-hmm. Everything that we do is a thing worth repeating I only think of you when my heart is beating I'm feeling my feet coming off of the ground I wasn't looking, but look what I found I wasn't so sure at the start Now I want to be there wherever you are And I 
Three.